How did we get here? On Wednesday, January 6th, during a joint session of Congress, a pro-Trump mob invaded the Capitol. Rioters breached the Capitol as Republican Representative Paul Gosar was on the mic, questioning the validity of Arizona's electoral votes. Mr. Speaker, can I have order in the chamber? The House will be in order. It was the first time the U.S. Capitol had been violently breached since the War of 1812. We're going to walk down to the Capitol. You'll never take back our country with weakness. You have to show strength and you have to be strong. Demonstrators soon climbing the walls and scaffolding, violently confronting law enforcement. The insurrection witnessed by the world angered many. Greg Stanton, a Democratic representative from Arizona, was one of them. Stanton put the onus on last week's riot on President Donald Trump. I mean, look, there's a direct line between President Trump's rhetoric and what happened in the United States Capitol. There's a direct line between his encouragement of this type of behavior and what, uh, what occurred. And Stanton isn't the only one who feels that way. Calls for Trump's impeachment have circulated since the attack on the Capitol. But what happened on January 6th isn't just a chapter in our history, it's a line in the sand. The Republican Party is at a crossroads, pulled between far-right and moderate factions. I'm Yvonne Winget Sanchez. I'm a national political reporter for the Arizona Republic and azcentral.com. And I'm Ron Hansen. I'm also a national reporter for the Republic. And this is The Gaggle, an Arizona politics podcast. In today's episode, we're examining how the battle for the soul of the Republican Party is playing out in Arizona. Just a few months ago, Republican Governor Doug Ducey and the head of the Republican Party in Arizona, Kelly Ward, were on stage campaigning for Trump together. So we're thrilled to be joined tonight by some of the best, greatest, I love them, leaders in America, Arizona leaders. I want to start, come on up here, Governor Doug Ducey, and Arizona Republican Party State Chair, Kelly Ward. Kelly Ward, come up. But the differences between the two have sharpened in later months. This included a rift between the two when Ducey certified Arizona's election results. The response between Ducey and Ward could not have been more different on the riots at the Capitol. On the day of the attack, Ward attended a Protect the Vote rally at the state Capitol, where she continued to question the validity of the results. Having a transparent election, having the ability to audit the votes, to look at the paper ballots that exist. Ducey initially condemned the insurrection on Twitter. In his State of the State, he addressed it again. It was a sickening day in Washington, D.C. that no American will ever forget. In the United States of America, violence and vandalism have no place in the People's House. Perpetrators should be prosecuted to the full extent of the law. Let us condemn it and resolve that it never happens again. Here's our interview with Kirk Adams, recorded on January 8th. 
We want to know more about the split taking place in the Republican Party here in Arizona. Helping us on that endeavor is Kirk Adams. Kirk is a former Republican member of the Arizona House of Representatives. He served as Speaker of the House and also served as the Chief of Staff for Governor Doug Ducey from 2014 through 2018. Kirk, thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Kirk, to a lot of people, the GOP seemed to um, begin purging supporters when then-candidate Donald Trump uh, attacked Senator John McCain's war record in 2015, and it's only deepened in the years since then. Um, what is the state of the Republican Party in Arizona and nationally at the close of the Trump era? Well, the party is divided. Um, but this division is not something that's new in the Donald Trump era. I think it goes back a long time, or certainly it has been building to this point. And then Donald Trump came along. And he seemed to pour gasoline on that fire. And what we have today, I think, is a result of years of buildup and that uh, pouring of gasoline. So right now, the GOP in Arizona and under Trump is under the sway of sort of conspiracy-minded ideologues. Three of Arizona's four House Republicans voted to discard the certified results of Arizona's election. A month ago, the party seemed to really sort of support those who are willing to even die for the president's cause. Can the establishment wing or other members of the party, other outside influences, can they assert some sort of moderating force on the state party and on some of these people? Yeah, look, I, I would say that not only did they discard or attempt to discard the votes of Arizonans, they also discarded conservative principles that have historically underpinned what it meant to be a Republican. What the action that they took was the de facto federalization of state voting systems. This is contrary to foundational conservative principles going even back before Barry Goldwater. So I think what we have here in the Republican Party right now is a time for choosing, to quote Ronald Reagan. And in our case, the time for choosing is, are we going to remain a conservative party or will we be a party of factional loyalists loyal to a single individual, a single personality? And I think the events of this week have served as, as, a, as a threshold moment for the party, both locally and nationally, to decide what it means to be a Republican. And I think it is, to be, to be very direct, the actions taken by members of the Arizona Republican delegation in the U.S. House of Representatives were shameful. I think they were shameful actions. So the question now for, for people like me and other Republicans is, what do we do about it? Um, and, and that it takes a lot of work. It takes time and resources. Um, but I think, in my view at least, it is a, a worthwhile effort. The country needs a healthy and strong conservative party 
as a bulwark against a strong liberal party. So to jump in there, what does it mean to put in the work? What, what specifically are you talking about when you say to put in the work to take back the party? It's, it's, it's community organizing at its core. It's gathering people together, convincing them to run for lower party office, the precinct committeeman roles. It's making sure that the people who want to um, do that will show up when it's time to vote, to erect, to elect leaders um, that will uh, be conservative leaders and not factional loyalists. Um, it's about um, making sure that that effort uh, has the necessary resources and manpower and volunteers. Um, it is truly a community organizing effort to make sure that the Republican community is better represented in the state party structure. You know, a lot of people make a mistake. They make the mistake of believing that the base of the Republican Party are those individuals who elected Kelly Ward, for example, to be chair of the party. It's important to understand that today what we have in the Arizona Republican Party are the activists. But when you want to talk about the true base of the Republican Party, you need to look at the broader primary electorate. And that broader primary electorate is far more diverse in their views than what we see in the state party structure today. So you've outlined a prescription of sorts on this. What, is that you know, effort already underway? Uh, if it's not, when does it get underway? How, and how will we know that that transformation, that sort of uh, effort to uh, take control of the party is, is moving? Well, previous, I think it's important to give a little bit of context to what I'm about to say. Previous to being in the state legislature and serving as Speaker of the House, I spent several years in party politics. Um, I first got involved when uh, Bob Fannin was chairman of the party. In, as you know, Bob was a luminary in the business community, and he was recruited to be chairman of the party because the business community felt like we needed a strong Republican Party. After Bob, former Congressman Matt Salmon was recruited for the same type of reason, and he served as party chair. So the business community was connected to, to the issues of the party and why the party needed to be healthy and strong. And after Matt left, um, that changed. Randy Poland served a couple terms, and then Tom Morrissey, and then Senator John McCain on the heels of his 2010 uh, Senate re-election campaign, began to organize. Um, and that resulted in some level of sanity at the party for six years. And as that effort um, went away, um, we're at where we're at today with the current party chair and structure that we have. So the way that you actually make this happen, it, it's hard work, it takes time, um, and it's not something you can snap your fingers and expect to change in advance of the party election that occurs in a couple of weeks. It's an investment of time and money. Do you see any of those signs right now? Are there any green shoots uh, suggesting that the party is is ready for that reckoning? Well, I think that 
if there was a severance of relationship, um, if there wasn't a severance of the relationship between the business community and the state party before this week, there certainly is now. So the question, the next question, the question you ask, I think, is the important one. What happens next? And will we see business leaders uh, step up and um, see the value of a strong Republican Party or at least a sane Republican Party? Because you have to ask yourself, what does it do to the reputation of the state when a Republican Party chairwoman is making national news for promoting, encouraging, indulging in dangerous conspiracy theories. I, I, I think there's a reputational risk to this state, and I think it's something that I hope um, uh, business leaders in this state will consider moving forward. So we talked a bit Uh, with business leaders here in the state. And we do anticipate that uh, at some point here in the coming days or weeks or months that they will engage in whatever form that sort of looks like. What sort of impact does the business community truly have on um, maybe resources to help this sort of effort to kind of reputationally um, help the state uh, with its standing nationally? I mean, what are the sort of implications of the business community getting involved? And when we talk about the business community, who specifically are we talking about? Well, I think you can just sort of look across the landscape and you can see a number of business groups that have influence in the state, the, the chamber, the Arizona Chamber of Commerce, um, uh, GPL, uh, SALC down in Tucson, are just some quick names um, of organizations um, that come to my mind. The, the truth of the matter is, is that party politics is kind of dirty work. It's difficult. It's hard. Um, the rewards are not um, easily as obvious as when you know the candidate you support gets elected and wins. Um, the return on investment is more long-term, not short-term. And so um, when you say, when I think, I think the question you're, you're asking is, you know, what does business community involvement look like? Certainly resources um, would be a part of that, but it's also getting involved themselves. And it's um, encouraging them to become precinct committeemen if they're registered as Republicans to get involved in the party and to make sure that their voice, or at least at a minimum, their vote is heard in that process. So all the way to election day, the the governor campaigned for the president's reelection. Uh, in doing so, he endorsed the president and everything that goes with him. Um, now Trump and his followers have turned against the governor uh, repeatedly. Uh, especially um, following the fallout of the pandemic as well, where the governor has taken heat uh, from both sides of the aisle. Um, How does this sort of set the table heading into the next legislative session? Where is the governor's leadership and standing entering what seems like a pretty important session? 
Yeah. First, before I answer that question, let me say that um, in 2006, elections are always about choices. And in 2016, 65 million Americans chose Donald Trump. Um, and as the leader of the Republican Party in the state of Arizona, um, presented with the choices uh, that we have, uh, the governor represented his party in supporting the party's nominee. At the same time, he refused to not follow the Constitution of the, and the laws of the state of Arizona and of the United States. And that's what um, engendered um, the opposition and the anger from that portion of the Trump electorate that simply believes, um, no matter what you tell them, that this election was stolen. As it relates specifically to the legislative session, we have a closely divided House and Senate, um, one vote majority in each chamber. In addition to that, there are fractures in both caucuses, both the Democrat caucus and the Republican caucus. And I think it's even fair to say that the fractures in the Republican caucus are actually wider and deeper, but the Democrat caucus is not without their own. In an environment like that, I believe that the leverage of the governor's office, so the governor himself, is actually increased. The question is not what is the balance of power in my mind between the governor and the legislature. The real question is, will there be a governing coalition that emerges from the legislature to work with the governor to address the important issues that they're going to have to address? COVID, the pandemic, vaccine distribution, the fiscal stability of the state, economic recovery, there are big issues before this legislature and governor as we start 2021. And the question in my mind is, will we finally see a governing coalition emerge um, to work with the governor to address these issues? One criticism of the governor and other Republicans in the Trump era, frankly, is that all of them should have been more vocal in crucial moments. Secretary of State Katie Hobbs uh, said that the governor needed to more forcefully defend the state's election system while ballots were still being counted, for example. And he's facing that sort of criticism again after the riot at the Capitol for not speaking out more against these conspiracy theories. Why isn't Governor Doug Ducey more vocal, more pointed, and more consistent with his viewpoints on some of these big issues? The governor sat in the Oval Office on live television and defended Arizona's voting system to the president. Um, I don't know how much more vocal or high profile you can get than that. Um, I think the real question is not so much why did the governor um, not do what um, some individuals think he should have done. We need to be asking um, people like Congressman Paul Gosar, why was he protesting at the Maricopa County Elections Department the night of the election before all the votes were close to being counted? Why did Representative Andy Biggs continue to encourage, indulge, and foment conspiracy theories that the election was stolen? These are the individuals that I think um, should be um, the recipients of these kinds of questions, not the governor. 
who executed his job as governor by certifying the election along with the Secretary of State and the Republican Attorney General and the Chief Justice of the Arizona Supreme Court, who did not bow to pressure from the president, even as the president was calling during that um, signing to pressure. He wasn't calling Governor Ducey to encourage him. He was calling him to stop him. And, um, you know, the governor uh, did um, what he was supposed to do. So I don't buy this criticism that the governor should have done more. He's directly defended our system on multiple occasions in the Oval Office to the president on live television. Um, and that's what he should have done. And he did it right. Let's talk about uh, Kelly Ward for a moment. Um, she is uh, doubling down on Trumpism, it seems like. She is seeking another term as chair of the Republican Party and seems to be well on her way to winning that contest. Um, <clears throat> throughout this period after the election, she supported the legal challenges that were deemed baseless uh, in court by judges of, of multiple stripes across the country. Um, from her perch as party chair, she has challenged the governor on policy matters, and she has lost the confidence of some of the traditional major Republican donors to the party. Um, how ugly is this going to get for the final two years of the Ducey administration? And what does that mean for the party in that time? As it relates to the uh, Ducey administration these last two years, uh, the actions of Kelly Ward and the state uh, Republican Party are inconsequential. They are not going to affect um, what the administration does or doesn't do. Um, they simply do not matter in that context. What it means for the party um, is probably an entirely different question. Kelly Ward, uh, benefited from the 2020 election cycle with Arizona as a swing state. What that means in effect is that if you're sitting there at the 24th Street office of the Republican Party during a presidential year when your state is a swing state, the money just comes in. The money is transferred to you from the Republican National uh, Committee, and you frankly don't have to do a lot to keep the lights on and to operate. She is now entering an off-year cycle. The question is, will they have the resources to keep those lights on, to do the basics that the party uh, needs to do without the national money flowing into the state? So I have a feeling that natural consequences will follow the state Republican Party in 2021. She was recently booed at a gathering of um, local Republicans on the same day that our country experienced the insurrection at the U.S. Capitol. She was speaking, I believe, at the State House when members of the crowd interrupted her speech. These presumably are uh, Republicans or Arizona residents who believe she is not uh, conservative enough. What sort of um, impact might that element have on the party moving forward? 
you see a lot of these yeah, even more fringier people emerging. Yeah, I, I think there's a very important lesson uh, for Kelly Ward in that episode. And I, I, I saw that video myself. When you spend uh, months and months undermining institutions, undermining our most basic institutions, and indulging in dangerous conspiracy theories with no evidence, when you uh, have a platform in the state and across the country to claim that Arizona's election was stolen, and you convince people that their most basic right to vote has been taken from them, you shouldn't be surprised that that distrust eventually turns on yourself. And so she experienced that. I think she'll experience more of that. I think that we also have to make an important distinction between Republicans and uh, Trumpers. There are a lot of people who have voted for the Republican nominee and who have been devout followers of the Republican nominee because he was Donald Trump, not because they necessarily hold true or hold fast to traditional Republican slash conservative values. So I think what ha if the question is what happens to sort of that fringe element, the answer is you answer with another question. And the other question is what happens to the Republican Party? Is that the group of individuals that we as a party will choose to embrace and to cultivate? Or are we going to go back to those foundational conservative principles, center-right policies that attract a broader range of conservative and independent-leaning voters? That's, that's the question, and that will answer what we do with the fringe that is clearly um, attached themselves uh, to the Republican Party recently. So, Kirk, you have uh, outlined very clearly what the choice is here. What's your prediction is the final question here. How do you think this ends uh, in the near term for the Republicans, especially here in Arizona? Do they unite against uh, a Biden administration and Democratic control of Congress uh, and do the ideological fissures in the Republican Party somehow just disappear? Well, I think we've all been humbled by our prediction making for the last four years. Um, so I'm hesitant to continue to in engage in that. But I do think that um, there's there is nothing quite like a common enemy to unify the opposition. So I think a lot will depend on just how President Biden leads the country. Um, will he um, hold back the, the worst excesses of the radical left? Um, or will he um, be run by the likes of AOC and Nancy Pelosi? And I think that really is going to decide um, to a large degree, how unified the Republican Party becomes. If we see economy changing, life changing things like the Green New Deal, yes, that is going to, I think, unify Republican opposition. And I think 2022 would likely be a very good year for the Republican Party. 
So to answer your question, it depends upon the actions of President Joe Biden. All right, Kirk, we're going to go ahead and leave it there. Thanks so much for joining us today. We know you're a busy guy and we appreciate your time. Thanks for having me. Well, listeners, let's dive into some afterthoughts. Yvonne, Kelly Ward continues to use her platform with the Arizona Republican Party to steer it toward Trumpism. What's her motivation? And is there anything, especially fundraising, that would deter her? So what we've seen over the last couple of years during her tenure is, you know, a a decision by some of these big traditional establishment Republican donors to not give their money to the state Republican Party under Kelly Ward. Instead, uh, at the request of a lot of leaders like Ducey and other more establishment figures, some of that money has really been directed to other political action committees that could benefit the Republican Party in other ways. That really hasn't seemed to bother Kelly Ward at all. In fact, she's probably done better in the weeks uh, since the election with her Stop the Steal efforts at raising money, small dollar donations likely, than she has during her entire tenure at the helm of the Republican Party. So I don't think money here is any sort of motivating factor. Kelly Ward really sort of sees herself as a leader of the activists within the Republican Party who feel as though they've sort of been left behind and ignored for too long by folks like the late Senator John McCain, former Senator Jeff Flake, and to some extent, former Senator Martha McSally, who was defeated in the 2020 election at the same time that Kelly Ward was running the state party. I think the one thing that really we have seen as a motivating factor for Kelly Ward is how her actions and how the actions of the state Republican Party are playing with President Donald Trump, who has actually encouraged her to run again for chair of the Republican Party. She has a lot of different options moving forward. She could run for Congress. She could run for some other elected office. But instead, we're seeing her stick with the state party, which is where she seems to be the most comfortable. I guess my big question is, what does the business community really do um, to help the party move forward ahead in a more moderate manner? We got some pretty mealy-mouthed comments from some within uh, Arizona's business community Glenn Hammer, who runs the Arizona Chamber of Commerce and Industry, essentially said that there isn't a lot that they can do to knock down every tweet, although they saw themselves playing some sort of greater role, perhaps, in the near future. And the Phoenix Chamber, led by Todd Sanders, you know, he seemed to be doing this sort of both sidesism, and he talked about the potential for violence to arise on the left. How do you see them playing uh, moving forward in intra-party politics, Ron? Yeah, so, I mean, this definitely has some of that early never-Trumpism kind of feel to it that people who are conservative generally are uncomfortable with the direction of the present politics on the right. But really, when it comes down to it, will they ultimately fall into line or will they demand something different? Right now, they're saying that they want something different, But the fact is, 
what is the alternative? Many of these folks have nowhere to go. Again, ideologically, they're already tending to be on the conservative side and any threat to withhold money or walk away from the table with lawmakers carries with it sort of a loss of influence that could affect their business prospects in the long run. And sidling up with Democrats seems to be almost an empty threat as well, especially at this moment when Democrats have really been labeled with this socialist tag to begin with. Uh, this seems like sort of uh, where else can they go? And there's still the open question that sort of hung over the entire Trump era, and that is um, who who really sort of controls the uh, hearts and minds of conservatives in this period. And it doesn't seem like the business community has really led on this, uh, especially here in Arizona. We've seen um, people just sort of acquiesce to this agenda that is really America first. It was driven on things like immigration and border security. There were just sort of reflexively tough talk on um, dealings with Mexico. These are the kinds of things that would have, you know, certainly not been at the top of the business community agenda, but they did little to nothing to any effect to knock down that kind of talk. And it remains an open question now whether they'll be able to sort of put the genie back in the bottle. Kirk mentioned the need for the business community to step up within the GOP. And a day after the attack on the U.S. Capitol, I called Neil Giuliano. He's the president and CEO of Greater Phoenix Leadership. I wanted to get his take on how the insurrection could push business leaders to become more involved. Here's what he had to say. Yeah, so I've been talking to a couple dozen or so business leaders in just the last 24 hours as things have unfolded in Washington, D.C., and there's a, a, a growing understanding that they do need to speak out about broader societal governance issues uh, in, in ways perhaps that they haven't in the past, and they see that that's a responsibility that they are going to have to take on uh, in addition to running their own businesses and caring about their own industries. And when you say like societal issues, what do you what do you mean? I mean, what do you? Well, these are the the societal issues of conspiracy theories uh, being made real by people who either are espousing them or because they're not challenging them. And so this is the view. People need to people need people are going to have to speak out more on some of these broader issues than perhaps they did in the past because it's clear uh, there's a level of dysfunction of governance being led by people uh, in elected office and people out of elected office that's just unacceptable for democracy. Uh, speaking locally here about Arizona, it's not good for Arizona. It's not good for Arizona business. It takes us away from dealing with the issues that we need to focus on in Arizona, like education, and transportation and criminal justice reform and all the other issues. Uh, so I think there's a growing awareness that that is a role that business leaders are going to have to accept and take on to a greater degree than they have in the past. So Yvonne, I guess to wrap it up, let's explore the issue of what this means for those who have tried to weigh in and, and separate themselves at this moment from 
the activities of the rioters or the tone of of the president or uh, those who have been most supportive of him. Um, how successful is this likely to be and, and how long lasting will it be? So it depends on how involved some of these folks really, truly get. I mean, what Kirk is talking about is taking back the state Republican Party by going out and recruiting precinct committee men who will help determine the future platform and tone and style and direction of the Republican Party here in Arizona. And as he said, that takes a lot of work. We saw McCain do this uh, following his censure in 2014. Uh, his uh, supporters and allies and others involved in uh, the more establishment wing of the party took off their Saturdays and their Sundays. They didn't, weren't at home watching, you know, football, spending time with their family or golfing. These guys were committed to going to these long, you know, tedious meetings, oftentimes, you know, hanging out with people who they wouldn't normally um, agree with on anything as a way to say, hey, we are here, we want our voices heard, and we're not going to let the direction of this party go too far rightward, at least without a fight. And it takes a lot of time to do that. It will take a couple of years to do that. And whether or not the party um, allows itself to be sort of manipulated or redirected by the establishment wing, I think, remains uh, remains a, a big a big question. And, you know, the governor has largely stayed out of these intra-party squabbles and um, fights over the last several years. And I think that that's really, uh, in hindsight, uh, probably wasn't the best uh, strategy for him and for the direction of the party. He's going to be leaving office, at least the governorship soon. So he's not going to have to contend with the day-to-day -day pressures um, and tweets and statements by Kelly Ward and those that he disagrees with. But the Republican Party here in Arizona will. And uh, like it or not, for now, the far right wing of the party is in control. That's all for today's episode of The Gaggle. Audio in today's episode comes from The Hill, ABC News, and KPNX 12 News, as well as from our brilliant photojournalists at The Republic, including David Wallace. If you're interested in finding me on Twitter, I'm at Yvonne Winget. And I'm at Ronald J. Hansen, and that's H-A-N-S-E-N. Today's episode was produced by Maritza Dominguez and Katie O'Connell. Thanks so much for listening. We'll be back next week with more.